Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Elf Option Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is building a portal. <laughs> Not that kind of portal. Although that's possible, too. The Sound Health Portal. And you can find out more about it at soundhealthportal.com. And uh, it's quite a robust project. It's exciting to have that information, the ability to do vocal profiling directly online from any computer uh, through the web versus having to have software and all sorts of apps and things to figure it out. It's really going to be a very powerful mm, resource. I'm, I'm quite excited, so I'm glad that she's working on that. Um, I really only have, I don't have a direct announcement, uh, but I will say this, I know I say this every week, uh, so you'll, you're used to hearing me say this, that uh, this is one of those shows that you're going to want to pass on to your friends, you're going to want to listen to again. Um, this is a great uh, project that Jack Tips is part of with Dr. Sutton, a really a powerful tool in our belt of self-care, I think. Uh, we'll talk more about that with uh, Jack. But it's really a great a great opportunity to pass information on to your friends so they can get a grip on their own health and get a pattern and an idea and see what their proclivities and inclinations and possibilities and with Jack's great expertise in detoxification and other things. it's I think it's a very exciting project. So you can find this show again uh, shortly after uh, by going to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, click on Sound Health Radio, and the link there will give you the link to the replay, which will be about usually about half an hour after the show ends. And or if you're inclined toward listening on a podcast aggregator, meaning a podcast app where you listen to other feeds, um, a really handy one now, I find, is a Google Podcast because it's free and you can go there and you can search for Sherry Edwards. This is true of all the venues, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Dogcatcher or Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts is my personal favorite cross-platform and on computers. And it's easy to pass the show on to others. You can just send them a link and there's the, they can play it right on whatever device they open it on. And this is one of those shows people are going to want to do that and listen to it again. And I lost my thought there for a moment. And I just think it's a great, it's a lot of great information. Oh, that was it. That at the soundhealthoptions.com and then the radio tab and then the Sound Health Radio, on that link, that will take you back to the show notes so that you'll find links to more information about Jack and about this project. And with that, I think I'll introduce Jack Tips. Jack Tips, Ph.D., CCN, is a clinical nutritionist, classic homeopath, systemic herbologist, teacher, and author of 16 books and training programs with over 30 years of clinical experience. He's an avid researcher and developer of cutting-edge cellular healing. Intestinal wellness, thyroid detoxification, liver support, anti-aging, persistent fatigue are a few of his programs. Employed by hundreds of natural health doctors across the United States and worldwide, Professionally, he is known as a staunch advocate of a genuine natural healing and guiding influence for thousands of clinicians who employ natural methods. He specializes in gut microbiome health. 
age-related muscle maintenance and mitochondrial health with a special love of epigenetics and how adaptable the body can become when the cause of its distresses are corrected. Jack joins us to discuss unveiling your crystal ball for life. Welcome, Dr. Jack. Well, howdy, everyone, and a most chirpy good morning. It's a pleasure to visit with you, Richard. Thank you so much. This is such an exciting project. The more I watched uh, some of the information you sent me and read the materials, the more I started making notes on myself thinking, oh, boy. <laughs> I wish I'd gone back in time and had a DNA, t- DNA test done in my 40s uh, as a reference point. I think it's such a powerful uh, reference. What led you, I, I, I suspect I already know the answer because you're such a detective, but what led you to genetic testing as the guide for health? Oh dear, you know I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about that lineage. I think I'll I'll, I'll key off of what you said that um, Sherry Edwards is doing this morning, building a portal. And you know we all need a portal to understanding our biochemical individuality. We need this portal in order to maintain our health because the onslaughts against our health which are literally too numerous to mention when we just think of environmental toxicity, the uh, electromagnetic frequencies that we keep our, our DNA bathing in day in and day out, and these, these vibrations of EMFs, and that, you know, that's a challenge. Uh, the toxicity of our food is um, another challenge. And so we have so many things. We really need a portal that allows us to have the science and the understanding to apply the natural laws of health um, and, and come to a meeting of the minds of our, our body's uh, independent and self-ability to regulate, coupled with this powerful information that our, our, our DNA can show. And by way of a quick example... I made a decision approximately 20 years ago that I was not going to, what I call, pollute my body with genetically modified foods. Now, like any scientist, I would say that, oh, great, genetic modification. We can grow more food. We can feed the world. Uh, we, can, we could do wonderful things with food. We could remove allergens. I, I remember in the old days, it was like, well, we could put all our vaccines in, in a banana and, and not have uh, to have these horrible adjuvants that keep uh, sacrificing the few for the, the trust of the, the many that they're not going to get some disease or something, see? So... I made this decision, and you might say I had to walk on the wild side. I've been the idiot that shows up at the Mexican restaurant with my own little <laughs> baggie, my non-recyclable, I'm embarrassed to say, uh, baggie of corn chips that were organic and baked. And, and then I could dip in the salsa, which is one of the most healthy things you can find in the Mexican restaurant. And of course, being a Texan, you know, the Mexican food is uh, akin to air, and um, and so um, I, I did these weird things. Now, just imagine a life of smuggling corn chips into a, a restaurant uh, to get at the hot sauce and what my guest, who may not be naturally inclined, would think of me 
you know, how, how nutty, how wacko am I? Well, let me tell you. I go right to my gene report, and it says in bold red that my liver does not have the genes to process glyphosate, which is Roundup, which is Monsanto's pet pesticide, now Bayer's, uh, Bayer Aspirin's pesticide issue. And we just saw that lawsuit um, on Dwayne Johnson that um, he was awarded down near $300 million because glyphosate is killing him with cancer, and it was well proven in court. Um, so we've been lied to. I've been walking against the wind, people thinking I'm a total idiot, and I'm, sometimes I have to doubt myself. Really? Is not eating that tortilla enchilada at the Mexican restaurant really making a difference in my life? And then I pull a gene report as early or as late as a year ago, and I find out for the last 19 years I have virtually saved my life, or I could be like Dwayne, uh, dying and you know not really getting too excited about millions of dollars because uh, I'm not going to be here to use it. And so that was just like, oh my goodness, my natural health beliefs and philosophy and self-study and making a critical decision in my life uh, has probably saved my life, even though I didn't have genes to do it, and now I'm exonerated. And so it's just a fact like that. All of this type of information, how much vitamin D3 should you supplement? Uh, how many cups of coffee are you tooled up to handle? Where it could actually be beneficial in the right amount, but detrimental in the wrong amount. What type, what strain of CBD might be good for your cell receptors? Um, and on and on these insights go where the genes can show us the weak links in our health portrait, and we all have these weak links because nature seems to give so many varieties so that if there is a plague like there was for thousands of years in Europe, um, that there's always a percentage of humanity that can survive. So it's, uh, you know, nature is playing the odds with all of these on and off genes uh, for the bigger picture of looking at survival of the species. And so other species do this too. It's a law of nature. But knowing our personal gene profile and not just to have a doctor tell us what brand of chemotherapy is best for us, which is where Big Pharma is using the, the gene knowledge uh, to determine which drug does the least amount of damage. We can actually be proactive with our genes. And if you learn that you don't process zinc at all, it only makes sense that you're going to give your body uh, some supplemental zinc so that you can make cellular energy, your ATP, that your immune system can have something available because you're not going to naturally process it yourself. And so we learn all of this empowerment for how can we be truly healthy in today's world. So that's why I got excited when I started being able to uh, look at genes uh, in a profile and look at it from a nutritional sense. It's like, oh, 
gosh, I think I've said for 30 years, if only we had a gene test that would tell a newborn child that golden seal is their most perfect antibiotic or that lamation dissectum is their most perfect antibiotic or cat's claw, the unia de gato, um, you know, that we would know because so often as an herbal clinician, a person comes in raging ear infection, the doctor only has one word to say, uh, amoxicillin, or ZPAC, which has a, a, an unacceptably high rate of mortality. People die from ZPAC, and that's all they do. And, you know, they're not culturing the, the bacteria or getting any powerful information. It's just throwing the antibiotic. And, and yet we would know in advance for that child because the frustration is the, the child might be trying golden seal, and three days later, the eardrum is rupturing and they're still having trouble. Whereas if we'd only known in advance because of their genetics, which let's say we're not as much Northern Europeans, which are, do much better with golden seal and, and are even Native American, but that they were more adapted to a, a Chinese herb or something, and now we can, we, the mother would have the right plants that are indeed true and powerful healers without causing collateral damage to the gut microbiome. How great would that be to walk with strength and your head up through this world of pathogens and uh, all these forces that, that can come in and destroy health? Uh, you know, a lot of these kind of gram-negative bacteria, you know, and vibrio, cholera, and all of this, you could walk strong through this world knowing that if push comes to shove, you've got the plants that perform even better than broad-spectrum antibiotic. So that information is there, and I've craved that information uh, my entire life uh, as, as a at least a sentient practitioner, that, that level of life. And so now it's starting to happen. We don't have the data about which herbs are particularly beneficial because this data is all being controlled by big pharma. And they have no interest in the herbs, right? There's not a patent available to turn them into a cash cow. Yeah, they um, can't control it. Right, it would be empowering people and saying that people have a right to health, that people, like we, you know, do we really have a right to water? Uh, that's a big thing coming up in Texas as we, yeah, you know, as a state can often are in drought and drying out and who has what rights to what's under the ground. But well, we have a right to air. You know, we say we have a right to life. We have a right that all people are equal under the law and we're still trying to build a society that that would be true in but we hold up these these values and unfortunately Dr. Benjamin Rush signer of the Declaration of Independence begged that we have freedom of medical care and he said if we don't and the government decides your medicine then it will be a, a totalitarian dictatorship worse than King George at the time, and now we see a couple hundred years later that sure enough, it's the the Medicare system is dictating everything to everybody and providing low level care and on and on. We we can whine and moan about the 
the woes of the system for the masses, but it's up to each person to take personal individual responsibility for their health and to be savvy. And unfortunately, we're coming out of a generation of people that have decided that medicine and science is beyond their mental ability and that we trust science or we trust the goodly doctors uh, to do everything, except now we find the doctors are all coming out of the same playbook, which is dictated by insurance and dictated by big pharma. And so the practice has become more and more restrictive as laws are now passed to stop people from getting the herbs or trying to stop people from getting homeopathic medicines and having their freedom. And so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting and social change now that if you're a person who does not want to risk your child with the Russian roulette of vaccination, that if you don't pull that trigger on your child's head and stick those adjuvants into their body, mercury and aluminum and latex, and stick that in their bodies, that now you're a bad citizen because the people who did put the gun to their kid's head and got away with it, they seem to want everybody else to share the risk to sacrifice the few for the many. And yeah. so we were having a societal shift, but in the midst of all this, all, always the upheaval in uh, human endeavors, uh, it's been, it's a, it just seems to be a law of life, right? That now we have this beautiful thing that we can get our genetic raw data, and that there are programs, many, mine's not the only one, that can look at this raw data and create a gene report that shows you, are you great, are you so-so, or are you totally turned off, you might say, on the key genes that we're still dependent on science to tell us what these genes do and what they mean. But as medicine and science embraces and, and looks since the genome study, uh, when we so sequenced about 90% of human genetics, uh, by the way, which is a big disappointment because we're, we're not as a species that different than a, a fruit fly or a, uh, you know, so you might say a, a monkey, a rat, and that's why these things are in in studies uh, for people that were not that much different. So when they sorted out all the genes, they thought we would find why humanity is dominant, why we have dominion over all the species of the earth. And lo and behold, <laughs> we're not so special. So then, <laughs> right after that disappointment and much head scratching. Here comes the new budding science of epigenetics, which means it's, okay, your blueprint is pretty much the same. You know, it's not that far from an orangutan, uh, but we all have the same blueprint. But, ah, the innate intelligence of the human being, the innate intelligence, you know, nothing to do with what you think, that now epigenetically – you're doing things with that same book, that same blueprint, the same playbook. The human being is more adaptable, survivable, and able to turn genes on and off and express different things. It's called RNA transcription. We're able to pull different things out of our genes, and we're able to adapt and turn on a dime. And so that broke what was called the central dogma 
that we're waiting 20,000 years for a gene to mutate. And now there we could overcome AIDS or we could overcome streptococcus bacteria, uh, but we're waiting for a long time of this natural selection. And then all of a sudden we realize, no, people can heal on a dime, turn on a dime. Um, the twinkling of an eye is what I call it, that our epigenetics, if they're given the right directive, can literally embrace our deeper blueprint that is aligned with trying to achieve the most optimal health possible, which is one of the inner directives of the innate vitality. What's the best health and the best preservation methods? When we have all of these toxins in the environment, flipping our epigenetic switches into uh, warfare, we'll call that autoimmune disease, we're flipping our epigenetic expressions to say we are a species under massive threat. Now, every day we wake up, our immune system has the boxing gloves on, and we're, our bodies get up and they, they have to fight. And that's called the silent inflammation that Time Magazine put on the cover over 10 years ago. I think it was February of 04. The cover was inflammation, the, the silent killer, the secret killer. And now we all know it's inflammation that's causing Alzheimer's, inflammation patterns causing cancer and all the, the gut disturbances of leaky gut and so forth. And so we have one big culprit now. It's called inflammation. And then science tells us the inflammation is really being driven by the mitochondria, the part of the cell that makes energy for life, ATP energy, and that their distress signals are affecting our entire lives. And so we start getting this pattern, but now we can go to the genes and we can go, oh, I am susceptible. I am susceptible as a person to glyphosate. I am halfway susceptible to having vitamin D3. Well, what's my leading nutrient instead of a flu shot? What's my leading nutrient to protect me from the flu of winter? It happens to be vitamin D3 with a little bit of vitamin K2 and a little bit of vitamin A. Well, I look at my gene report, and I'm on crutches. Uh, one of my D3 genes is called uh, heterozygous. Another one is heterozygous. So when it all comes together, I'm an eight-cylinder engine running on four, four cylinders. And so if something stressed me during flu season, I could very easily become susceptible to stress. Oh, it could be that apple pie for Thanksgiving if it was loaded with sugar. It, it could be, oh, that third margarita, <laughs> which is also loaded in sugar and alcohol, which would bother the liver. Oh, I go and look at my liver, and I'm, I'm on a 25% reduction in perfect ability to process alcohol. So if I were trying to make a decision in my life, gee, do I want a, an occasional glass of wine my genes tell me, sure, Jack, go ahead, have an organic red wine, one glass, probably no problemo. But if Jack wanted the entire bottle, what, three and a half glasses, it would be too much. And I would be making my body susceptible to illness and, and fatty degenerated liver. 
So all of this kind of really fun information is right here in our our genes. That's that's the hope. That's that's been a rather wordy explanation of why did I get involved with genes? Because don't we all want to know what we can do to bolster our health, to take our weakest links and make them stronger? I mean, right now it's football season. And isn't that what every team is doing? They just had the big shuffle of players. And, uh, you know, it's like a Chinese fire drill, they call it, when everybody jumps out of the car and changes. I'm not sure why they call it that. But <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the idea is now all these players have shifted teams mid-stride. And what the, what the teams are trying to do is take their weakest links and bolster them with a player that has better statistics. And that's exactly what we can do. So what's the difference here? I'm going to say 10 years. I'm saying that by working with your genes and your unique and individual presentation, uh, a person should be able to, through nutritional supplementation and, and some dietary common sense, be able to easily increase 10 years, not to just their lifespan, but 10 years in good health that all of a sudden you can be looking at age 80 to 90 as being spry and, you know, doing work and riding bicycles and going on good hikes and, you know, jumping out of perfectly good airplanes, whatever. Uh, But that the 80s and 90s can soon be called the the new 60s uh, because you can bolster, and this comes from the fundamental understanding of these cardinal principles of life that science seems to choose to ignore number one there's a healing force within every body our bodies want to heal our bodies crave to live in uh, a clarity of mind and a strong vitality that's our blueprint and when we don't have our blueprint and we have ailments it's usually our bodies trying to do the right Thing. So we have this misbelief that these illnesses jump up off the sidewalk and grab us, and like uh, the wildebeest trying to cross the the river when the crocs are there. And we see the Animal Channel videos of you know these giant wildebeest getting eaten midstream by these giant crocodiles, but there's there's a hundred thousand wildebeest crossing and you know, 10 or 20 cracks, and so there's going to be this war of attrition occurring there. And so we try to position ourselves to be the ones that make it across. (laughs) And this is where the power of the the genes are, because if we bolster these weak links, we just afford our cellular metabolic machinery more smooth running. So the craze for the last five years or so, maybe 10, has been what's called MTHFR. Um, The fact that science has found that some 30 to 40% of all Americans have SNPs, uh, single nucleotide polymorphisms, but they're just saying the way your genes are lining up, you don't process folate, you don't methylate folate, the B vitamin B9, in your cells properly, and then if that does happen to 30, 40% of the people, you risk being a pathological detoxifier. You can't really detox as well. And in a society where every breath of air, every drink of tap water, every 
vaccination. Every every day, there's something that's putting a greater immunological burden on our bodies. Now, if you're in THFR, you're on crutches trying to trying to fight. So you're out there. Let's go back to our football field. You're out there trying to run with the football, and you've got one leg tied behind your back, and out there swinging crutches with 11 players coming at you, and and so you're not going to make it. You and that's what like, they found with THFR. Like to me, you seem like the uh, wildebeest who may not make it across the stream because you are the you know it's it's genetic clearing. It's the the weak, unfortunately, the weak don't make it, and so we have the opportunity to be that strong wildebeest making it across the creek. Uh, we're going to take a short break from our sponsor, and I have a question, a follow up question to that. So we'll we'll be right back. Soundhealthportal.com. The body's vocal indicators move with every frequency set that goes from your brain to any part of your body. We have a Dr. Russ Rudy who came to us on a scooter. He had multiple sclerosis. Frequencies of his nerves were dead from the waist down. I'm speaking as a physician and a patient. Uh, I went down the medical road first. I didn't get any answers that were acceptable to me. You know, when they hear something like, I'm going to listen to you speak, and I'm going to analyze, and I'm going to play tones for you, make you better, it just sounds so foreign to what we're expecting. And it took us from November of one year to May of the next, and it regrew the nerves from his waist down. So now we can believe it because it was science. I, I've seen it work in so many cases. Oh, I'm proof of it. I mean, nobody, nobody five or six years ago would expect me to be doing what I am today. Join us at soundhealthportal.com. So things that are out there that we don't have very good treatment for, why shouldn't they be allowed to try something different? I want to step slightly sideways for a moment and ask you, do you think that our grandparents had as much inflammation as we do? Well, I really don't. I mean, some of the more susceptible ones, the canaries in the coal mines, certainly at our grandparents 40 years ago, there was already enough going on in the environment. We'd already blown up some atom bombs and spread radioactive particles across the United States out of uh, Nevada uh, and so forth and um, and globally. And so there was already challenges, new new challenges that were were being brought forth, but no, because our grandparents did not have genetically modified food. And and so um, some of the alarming things we're finding with the GMO food, not only are the genes different, therefore our cells are suspicious and, and, and struggling, um, that the pesticide that's being used, glyphosate or Roundup, destroys the gut microbiome because the, the bacteria in the gut have what's called the shikimate pathway that the Roundup is using to destroy insects or actually to make uh, superbugs, um, then it, it harms our bodies when, when we eat that food. And so we've, we've got a different game, and uh, I think it's interesting how when the public gets aware we're tired of the smog in L.A., then California passes laws and catalytic converters and cleans up gasoline and does all this regulation, 
And then 10 years later, they can say, oh, look, the air in L.A., you can actually see next door without the smog. We're making progress. Meanwhile, in third world countries, it's only guy, you know, speaking like um, Calcutta, uh, Beijing, um, where they don't have laws. They're doing enough pollution for the whole planet. And... Um, and nothing we can do about that. So the, the point is, is we have new challenges today than our grandparents, and it's only delusional to think that we're cleaning up our world at this time. There just isn't any fish on the market that doesn't have plastic in it because of all the plastics put in the ocean. Um, we've got Fukushima still spewing nuclear radiation into the ocean. You know, the news media has forgotten to continue with that story, but it's still happening. And so these challenges, while we want to put our heads in the sand like the proverbial ostrich, uh, they're still going on, and we have these challenges. In fact, we're all uh, suffering because of these things. Uh, To me, looking at the genes, we can now, we have an ally. We can take preemptive, preventative measures to minimize the damage. Many people today are somewhat familiar because of all of our discussions of the last 30 years on liver and detoxification. And so we have things like some people, if they're a little more savvy in the the nutrients, then we'll know something about what's called phase one, phase two, and phase three detoxification and so a person can look at their genes and see if their phase one is good now if their phase one is is good you can also realize that uh, you can be a a safer coffee drinker phase one involves uh, the breaking down of caffeine and a person who drinks a little coffee and just gets revved forever um, you know they probably have some key SNPs in their phase one. But the thing about it, phase one passes or creates intermediate metabolites that can be more poisonous than the original Mm -hmm. poison. This is natural to the liver. This Mm -hmm. is how it works. And if the liver can take a fat-soluble compound and break it down into something worse, but immediately break it into water, soluble compounds and the kidneys take care of it or fat solubles that then the gallbladder can take care of so as we know the inner workings of one of our chief detox organs uh, the number one detox organ is our cells and i have a snide comment on that that when we decide that we're going to allow fukushima to keep putting nuclear radiation out and the the decision is really that uh, the government's are using every citizen's liver as a detoxification for the for the planet. But we didn't have a say in that. And so there's many of these things that are toxic that science and or the powers that be decide that we can do, and they're really uh, filtering it through our bodies. Um, another example would be the, the fluoride that's used in municipal tap waters. That's a waste product of the aluminum industry, such a toxic product. They didn't know what to do with it, so they ended up selling uh, dentistry 
on using the wrong form of fluoride, and then we put it in our municipal water, and we put it in toothpaste and all of that, and now they have their garbage disposal uh, done for a profit, but ultimately that that kind of fluoride, that inorganic or stannous-type fluoride, has to be processed in our bodies. And we know that it harms our thyroid and the thyroid receptors, and it harms our brains and actually drops the intelligence quotient of our children in this country. But our livers ultimately end up processing, and so we are the garbage processors for big industry. Back to the liver, we realize then that phase one, if it's impaired, can be overloading or not doing its job, and that phase two becomes stressed. That's where you get the information about the importance of glutathione or processes called acetylation or glucuronidation or sulfation and methylation. Hopefully one or two of those words rang a bell. But these are the uh, inner processes of detoxification. So what if you found that your sulfation was bad, that your body was not very well equipped to add a sulfur-bearing amino acid to a toxin so that it could be uh, converted for ease of disposal? And you realize, oh, your machinery has a, a hitch in the giddy-up, that your, your liver could actually be making toxins, that you can't keep up with. So that's mm-hmm. your uh, Lucille Ball, your, your Lucy at the Chocolate Factory, if anyone's <laughs> old enough to remember that classic episode yep. of I Love Lucy. She's on a conveyor belt uh, trying to wrap chocolates in paper, and they make the conveyor belt go faster and faster, and she can't keep up with it. She's sticking them in her mouth. She's sticking them in her bra. She's sticking them in her pockets. And and she just, you know, she can't keep up with the load. And that's what can happen with our livers. The gene profile tells you. So if a person, let's say, wasn't doing sulfation, they could end up with something called sulfation end products um, jamming up or congesting the liver. Now, this can turn into fatty congested liver, a non-alcoholic fatty congested liver. So you're you're living a good, clean life, but... Uh-uh, you couldn't keep up with what the uh, the city air and the city water and things are, are throwing at you. So you're losing in the chocolate factory. And wouldn't it be empowering to know that there's a form of asparagus that help get rid of those byproducts and, and clean the liver so that you don't suffer fatty degenerative liver, that you don't suffer free radical oxidation. You know, and what if you had a hitch in the glutathione mechanism? Your liver is going to get you to live a good life, right? Your liver is your lifeline. Now you look at your lifeline genetically and you go, okay, I'm going to get all my diseases at age 60. I can't keep up with 30, 40 years of what's been going on. I will eventually get the straw that breaks the camel's back. Oh, but wait, now you're empowered. You go, really, one herb, one little form of asparagus can provide the molecules that help the body in spite of its genetic weakness. And you go, well, why? Why do I have a genetic weakness? Again, it's biodiversity. We all are going to have a genetic weakness somewhere. You know, we, we're not all made to be super, super people. 
you know, we nature is looking at abroad. Uh, you know, like going to Las Vegas or roulette, you're putting chips on red and black and double zero, and, and you know, the, nature tries to spread the chips around. Uh, uh, like some uh, in a, a financial advisor trying to move stocks through uh, a portfolio of a mutual fund. They're always trying to play the odds just to get that extra margin. And we can help our bodies because of the gene report. And we can bolster the weak links. And let me tell you, every molecule is nutritional. That's the way the body is built. Um, and so now we want to take this gene report and look at it for the nutrients, the true foods, the true medicines, herbs, nutrition. We want to look at that and learn that we can make small lifestyle adjustments, maybe get more exercise, and we can look at putting four or five bottles of supplements on the lazy season in the middle of the breakfast table. And over the years, this is, will pay a dividend 10 times more than your insurance policy, <laughs> than the expenditure. And so that's really what we get to do. Now, you, you can be excited. I hope you're excited that we now, for very inexpensive hardly any dollars, we can go in and look at this powerful information. And then here's the game that's going on. And this was with the company 23andMe recently. They were bought out by GlaxoSmithKline for darn near $300 million. And everyone was using them because they had the world's largest database. And they allowed natural health companies to come in and um, or the individual human being and get your raw data or what was called an API system. We could build an algorithm and be allowed through their portal with permission of the individual and extract information from their genes and generate a report. So now we can be looking at all the vitamins and minerals and lifestyle factors that make a person healthy. Well, GlaxoSmithKline shut it down. So everybody that had spent thousands of dollars building an API system, they were cut off. It was the September 9, boom, this year, gone. They're out of business. Now the patient can go and get their own. So I still tell people, go to 23andMe. It's dancing with the devil, but it's, it's your best information until I give you the punchline here in just a minute. You can take your 23andMe gene report. You can get uh, raw data. You know, you don't want to open it. You don't want to look at it. You can't read it. You don't want to mess with that file because everything is in sequence. But you can upload your raw data into another website, such as the one you'll share with people. But there's others, too. And you can then generate a report where now it takes that raw data and shows you where you're homozygous, positive, heterozygous, or homozygous negative. And it's red light, green light, yellow light. And it can go through all the genes that are profiled and tell you where you're strong and where you're weak. And then there's books that can tell you exactly, in layman's terms, what each gene means. And then you can also consult with someone like me because I know the interrelationships. It's not just gene on, gene off. It's like, well, if you have your CLNT gene, 
heterozygous and you have your MTHFR gene also heterozygous, you would not be a person to do methylfolate or methylcobalamin. You would, you would do better with other forms of B9 and B12. And so we can save people a lot of the wear and tear damage for those that say, well, I'm MTHFR, but every time I get my, my vitamins, I feel miserable. Yeah, there's a very, very good, good reason. And, you know, we can look at that even through some of the homocysteine processes for people that are interested. So when you get professional oversight from a nutritionist on this, you're getting the combinations of genes, so right in the middle of this surging of natural health, uh, just being early responders to the power of genetics to improve our lives, to prevent diseases, and to extend our lives, now there's no laws that they're, uh, they're other than ethical and moral that no reason why GlaxoSmithKline and 23andMe can't just shut everybody off because if the gene is something they're interested in, they will cut it off. And now they're not giving it to the people who want their raw data. So on September 9th, we also noticed that on uh, my detox report, which I'm looking at 150 genes, that now about 50 of them are blank. They're gone. And so MAOA and MAOB, you may have heard of that. And, you know, when you start thinking of neurotransmitters and serotonin and serotonin-dopamine relations, oh, they don't want us to have those genes because, in my opinion, they know that our nutrients are more powerful and more effective than their, their Paxil or whatever drug that they're, that type of, psychotropic drug that they're putting people on and the nutrition doesn't have the side effects so they're withholding more and more information this is why i've been alarmed but i've got good news to this right now i'm still doing the dance with 23andme we can use that raw data i do encourage your listeners that want to be early responders pay 23andme your 99 bucks and go get your raw data file it's not as good as it was two years ago but it's still better than nothing. So it's, it's been a war of attrition there, but it's still worth your $99 because it's very empowering to look at those 100 genes that we're going to get. Uh, I mean, just more than the fact that it was 150. Well, the reason why I'm holding out some excitement here is yesterday I was visiting with some genetic doctors in, at a Dallas seminar, and lo and behold, I found a gene sequencing company right here in home, Austin, Texas, that is going to be able to run the reports uh, the way I want them run, meaning that I want to look at many, 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 many factors of detox, not just 30 or 40 key genes that govern like uh, folate and B12 and B6 and, and that type of thing. I want to look at broader issues uh, more far-reaching and go even on into muscle metabolics because they're intimately tied in with our detox processes. And so it's really throwing a very large net, and they're, they're excited about working with this. So as, uh, I've been told we can have it up and running in 30 to 60 days, and so now we're going to be able to open this to health professionals 
to be able to run gene reports and have the proper training to interpret them in depth. And it's also extremely empowering to the individual that just wants to know for themselves and have a a really well-written guidebook uh, that they can go in and do their own research and understand their own genes and uh, have the the self-destiny. So there's a happy ending, but only as of yesterday. Otherwise, it was doom and gloom that we're at the mercy of Big Pharma and they're hiding every gene that we really need kind of a thing that now the, the sun is shining brightly again and we look at setting up the system that can reveal all the data that we would like to see. And then you're going to start finding your functional medicine doctors and your natural health and your uh, chiropractors where it's within their scope and certainly your clinical nutritionist. They're all going to be empowered with genetic training and the ability to find out these deep secrets. And I'll tell you, the, the, the genes say it all for us. They, if you're wondering, gee, a woman would wonder, should I go on bioidentical hormones? The answer is not till you look at your genes <laughs> because the effectiveness of, yeah, what happens if you take progesterone or estrogen or testosterone? Now you can get your story. And you can look at the metabolites of estrogens and, and find out are you making the form of estrogen that's linked with breast cancer. You don't just have to have your BRCA genes and preemptively cut off breasts like Angelina Jolie or somebody from some kind of unwarranted fear. You can actually look at the multiple pathways of breast cancer susceptibility. And I'll tell you right now that one thing that you would not want to do if you were very susceptible would be start taking um, estrogen replacement. Uh, you, you would be the one that's going to be the statistic of, oops, sorry, well, at least you were getting radiation shot through your breast every year so in a mammogram, so now we can put you on chemo and, oh, good news, uh, your genetic profile will tell us what kind of chemo works for you the best. When I'm saying the whole thing is, is preventable by looking at this gene profile, and you don't want to just look at BRCA, you want to look at uh, methylation pathways and liver pathways that the, where the liver is reconjugating estrogens, and now you get the whole story. And then you wow. can figure out how sustainable. Yeah, yeah, power, uh, the knowledge of power, or power of knowledge, the... Uh, and then the, what's, what's so great there, you would come away and the genes would show you need a molecule called DIM, D-I-M, or calcium deglucarate. And then you would think, well, does that mean I have to take a, a DIM supplement my whole life? Well, yeah, it would be very helpful to do that. But, you know, if you didn't want to be buying a pill, where do you get it? In nature, well, it's in every Brussels sprout, it's in every cabbage, it's in every cauliflower. Now you become a person who hopefully would be tolerant of cruciferous vegetables and kale, and you would be able to then shift your diet 
to uh, a daily broccoli, Brussels sprout, cabbage, or a little bite of sauerkraut or anything, and and you would be beating the odds. You would be helping the body shunt the estrogens from the toxic form into the non-toxic form. Um, it would be creating not so much blocking but reshunting. Anyway, Richard, um, on that same story, men need to know this because the estrogens in the male body can be involved with prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. So we have huge empowerment, and if we believe that the true medicines and the true molecules for the cells is foods, herbs, plants, uh, then we can go to the most powerful medicines. And well, so that's, that's rather than paying $300 a, a day for some toxic drug that yeah. Yeah. You know, that's erodes the, the jawbone or something. Uh, some of the exciting things to me that always we, I've interviewed you a number of times, and that's one of the exciting ideas here. And, and this is such a great, to me, like three-dimensional Star Trek chess meets walking into the forest and picking herbs. I, I love that beautiful, of really beautiful analogy. Now we need to understand something that this is a budding science. This is brand new. This is not the end all answer because we don't have years and years of data, but we have enough data and enough scientific studies to be extremely powerful in what we're doing. And this is really opening new doors in clinical nutrition because genes are so much better to look at than blood work. And and some of these testings that we've used for so many years, when I cut my teeth in nutrition school, um, it was all about blood work. And so my first credentials uh, and my, one of my first books was um, a, clinical, a guide to clinical nutrition uh, for the blood work. And so it was all the SMAC23CBC differential blood work and how we work with that with nutrition and i'm saying now i kind of consider that to be a relic uh, uh certainly uh a collector's item now uh but it's we, we're, we're 10 times more empowered to look at genes and of course we want to tie that into blood work or other functional lab testing or hormone testing like the dutch test uh, and things like this can just be when we look at the two together um, we're we're dealing with a beautiful, insightful, magnifying glass, uh, and your portal to the future. That if this goes unchecked by age 60, you're going to have problems. But if you check it and work with it, then nature tells us you could live your whole life. You could be 120 and never have manifested. The, the breast cancer genes or the fatty liver genes or the arthritis genes. But this goes back to epigenetics, which is why I mentioned that earlier. Right. So this is the empowerment. I just wanted uh, the, the point of clarity that we don't have the end-all answer, but the early responders into the genes are at the cutting edge of something that is going to go on and on and on as science looks to understand the intracellular workings of of these genes and how we're all different 
um, with how what genes we have turned on and turned off, which is a function of methylation. That we turn off genes or we turn them on, then the transcription of our blueprint teaches our bodies and our cells and our immune systems and our brains how to function. So with a baby boomer population, one of the big issues is Anytime we have granny going to Alzheimer's, um, people are now becoming very concerned. Gee, do I have the Alzheimer's genes? We're talking APO genes, APOE. And there's, a, there's an array of genes that we look at. But now when you know that you've got what you could fondly call the Alzheimer's genes, we also know, because science says, this is not a nutritionist saying, well, gee, I have a theory. Science says we can avoid Alzheimer's by acting preemptively. We do not have to have it because our mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and everybody else got Alzheimer's. We do not have to have that. We can be looking at where's the hyperactivity of the brain uh, amyloid Plaquing, where's the inability to regulate or remove plaquing? Where's the inflammation markers? Alzheimer's is an inflammatory disease and damage to the mitochondria. Now we can look at how is our brain energy working, and are we at a handicap on some of the brain detoxification? How is glutathione, the mother of all antioxidants, how is it working? And so this is different than neurotransmitter cascades, like when I was talking about dopamine and serotonin and so forth. This is your brain energy and brain ability to detox and to get those glial cells turned off from inflammation response. Well, what's the inflammation going on? Well, gee, if you have leaky gut, you have leaky brain. And that's the whole GAPS thing, thanks to Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. But who doesn't have leaky gut, particularly if they're eating corn with glyphosate? So leaky gut, leaky brain, now you're getting toxins in the brain. The brain doesn't have pain receptors. So now you've got inflammation of the brain. Glial cells are activated. They start shutting down part of the beautiful tree branch cascades of neurotransmitters and all of a sudden granny says i can't remember why i came into the room and we realize that the the brain is there but it's not being used it's been blocked because of inflammation so gee now we can go to the herbal research and we can look at the powerful role that curcumin the turmeric um, can play for the brain and others other pathways even um, uh, Bacopa and Huprazine and on and on. There's there's a whole list of what's called nootropics, uh, herbs that show that they help clean up the brain and preserve our our cognition. So this whole myth that's slamming into the baby boomers, called sarcopenia, uh, that's age-related muscle loss and cognitive decline, which is age-related memory loss and cognition problems, all of this is being driven by the inflammatory forces that are in our tap water, in our air, in our foods, under the kitchen sink, in our clean, cleaning compounds, in the cosmetics, 
that go on people's faces that were driving, 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 inflammatory conditions, one might wonder how could humanity be so stupid? And yet it's only those that study that would say that because we've had millions of years of complacency of thinking that uh, anything we do, if it doesn't drop us dead instantly, is going to be okay. But, yeah, is it okay? <laughs> uh, Can you handle fluoride and chlorine in your tap water? Well, yeah. your your genes will tell you that there's people that don't. And so it's time to quit making fun of usually the females of the species that go into chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. They're the canaries in the mine shaft. Yeah. And just because they're an early responder to going into these diseases that medicine can't find the answer for because they're not looking at nutrition, <laughs> they're not looking, they don't believe in toxicity, and the industry wants to keep dumping into the oceans, into the rivers, and into the air, we have uh, a disconnect and the only thing, um, I mean, if I really got in on a detox presentation here, we could all be majorly depressed in about 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. But that is only self-fulfilling prophecy. So my message today has to be we're really being driven to take charge of our own health and act preemptively. You know, nature's always been a little bit against us, right? We have earthquakes. We have volcanoes. We look historically at the long three-year winter the Earth had in the 1700s, people freezing because of the volcano in Indonesia that made northern Europe almost go into the brink of another ice age. And, and that's just that's within our immediate history. And so nature can be rude, too, and our bodies are made to adapt and survive. So all you have to do is take personal responsibility. And, yeah, you can be politically active and try to get fluoride out of your water system and clean up the chemicals under your, your shelf and maybe hardwire your computers and not have your Wi-Fi. And, and you know, there's things you can do. Uh, to improve your environment, but even so, there is no perfect environment attainable on the earth. Um, you know, the boy in a bubble kind of yeah. a thing. And doggone if that bubble's not going to be made out of some plastic that has bisphenol A in it or something. You <laughs> see, but it's really, we, there's no place to turn, so we have to turn back to ourselves. And I do that with a big smile because it's not doom and gloom. There's 10,000 things today that are harming our health. We now no longer are being promised by science that our children will live longer than we will. In fact, we're being told real clearly our age has peaked. Our children will not live as long as we do. So <clears throat> while humanity's been patting itself on the back, and I enjoy those jokes where uh, things like, you know, the cavemen are talking to each other and they go, well, gee, I ate organic, uh, wild-caught, fresh food every day. And I, my life expectancy was 30 years. <laughs> so, they, you know, they <laughs> use that joke uh, then, yeah. well, we're living to be 80 and 90 and we're eating all this crap. Ooh, the crap must be good. 
and we have to really look at why the age was only 30 in those days. And I'll give you the answer just in case you're hungry. Uh, it was it was due to infant mortality that if you have all the zeros of infant death against 60 year old people, your average age is now 30. Right. And so it right. was infant mortality. And the second big factor is we really have to admit our entire human history is one battle and one war after another that we grew up as warrior species uh, with spears and uh, swords, and it was the septic issue of getting gut stabbed and big wounds that were killing people as our, our immune systems were trying to figure out staphylococcus, streptococcus, you know, diplococcus, all of these things in our history that we were killing each other and we were higher rates of maternal and infant mortality. So we really need to stand up and give a salute in some sense to modern medicine and dropping that infant mortality rate because of uh, medical care. And so, again, I'm not trying to... I have to jump in and say that, you know, we have to give, you know, the, the path that you're on, that salute, because this is such a positive thing for us to be able to, again, as you said early on, like Sherry's work, we have tools now where we can take our own health care into our hands and get information from people such as yourself to see the pathways that will make us live longer and live healthy longer, not just live longer, but live a vital life and a healthy life by dialing in what what our bodies want to work with, which is, you know, be in relationship with nature in a certain way. Again, you and I are kindred spirits with the nature approach of herbs and natural foods and eat clean. And, you know, I've been taking bitter tonics since the eighties because I think it's a great idea. You know, that kind of thing where we can, we can really take our care into our own hands with limited exposure to traditional medicine. And, and at that, uh, it's and at always been a little bit that way, and we, we have yeah. to realize that there's not any institution that cares about the individual. Um, yeah. It's not the nature. I'm not, it's not a criticism. The government doesn't really care. The politicians just make promises. But an institution cares about its own survivability. The corporation right. cares about its own survivability. And so it's very rare to find an institution that's truly dedicated to others. They do exist. Uh, they're very yeah. altruistic. But, I yeah. mean, I remember years and years ago I was uh, working in a corporation, and I was supposed to go out and raise money for the United Way. And then I saw this horrendous statistic that most of the money was going to pay the United Way people, the, um, the administration. Right, the that all you know, but you you give your money, you give a hundred dollars, but only eight dollars is going to make it to any kind of social service. So that that made me a little jaded um, about some of this. But again, we, we for some reason we're always looking to an institution to make our lives good, and it really the message, the underlying message here, it's never worked. It's not going to work. Right now, our humanity in the United States is trading comfort for freedom, uh, meaning we're giving up our inalienable rights. I mean, I have to spout off on that because homeopathy is being persecuted right now. 
yeah. uh, Big Pharma is trying to get rid of it. It's one of the most beautiful healing systems on the planet. And, and so this attack uh, against people who can think or people who want freedom is part of the self-preservation of these institutions, whether they're churches or schools or governments uh, or medical systems of care. Uh, power inevitably corrupts. So what yeah. we do to not get caught up in just what are the facts of life it's just nothing more than the same challenge that humanity has faced from day one in the beginning. This is the same thing wearing a different mask. So ultimately, we have to not depend so much on institutions, and we can be darn well grateful for the lifestyle that our American system has brought to us, but keep in mind the Kiwis in New Zealand have a very good system, and the Europeans have good systems too. Um, but the United States has been such a, a good force. But if anything, we have to go back and, and, and grab our, our, our freedom and our self-destiny. Now, that doesn't mean you conspire to overthrow authority, in my opinion. It means that you take self-responsibility, and you say, today... I am going to go to my little collection of pills, uh, my natural nutrients, my org certified organic plant-based nutrients, uh, my minerals and things, and I'm going to partake, along with my breakfast, I'm going to have these additional nutrients that empower my body, empower my immune system to hold up that shield high and to empower my brain to turn the wheels efficiently and dispel inflammation, and to empower my liver to detoxify whatever I ran into yesterday. I was on an airplane yesterday. I think I stayed away from the, the food uh, and so forth, but inevitably there, were, uh, there was stress, right, whether EMF, solar, whatever, and so life gives us stress. We yeah. want to be strong, and we can only do that on an individual basis. That's what we've been trying to do for 40 years now in clinical nutrition is individualize based on blood work. Now we can individualize on something 10 times more powerful, a very inexpensive sequencing of genes. And keep in mind now, your genes don't change. This is you for life. You only have to get that raw data once. And you say, well, if the genes don't change, what's the use? Well, because we know metabolics and we can preempt that flaw. And so the big issue today is people know if they're MTHFR, uh, which involves methylating folate, the B9, for cellular detoxification, that we know then that they can take methylfolate or folinic acid, uh, not uh, don't take folic acid. That's a whole other story. Look at your labels. Get rid of folic acid because it reacts with glyphosate pesticide toward uh, making it more carcinogenic. Sorry, right. but synthetic folic acid is now on the hit list. You want methylfolate. But now you can learn that if you give your body the methylfolate, that cellular machinery will turn 
and you'll methylate the toxins. You'll lower inflammation, and you can get the poisons out of your cells that maybe have been trying to accumulate there your whole life. Right. And so, and, I, and that, I'm sorry to say, Jack. I'm sorry to say that we're. I, I'm about to be cut off by the platform. But I think it's <laughs> well, a great. It's been delightful, place, and uh, thank you so much. I think that's a great place to end, though, because that really is. It's about now we have now you are putting together the tools to be able to have the information of our blueprint and dial in our diets per our own individual blueprint so that we can live longer, healthier lives by being empowered with that information. And that's what you're about. That's what Sherry's about. And I think that's really exciting. Well, I can um, tell you where, if you're a paleo person or if you're a provider person or right. if you're an Atkins diet person, it's all there in the genes. So a lot of right. this, these nutritional debates and biohacks and 20% of the people being harmed by uh, some biohack diet, now we can cut to the chase and get to the truth of the matter. So it right. is. It's, it's very empowering, Richard. And where can people find out more information of, about what you're doing, what you're up to? Um, there's an information page uh, about our, our gene test uh, program that I, – I put it in the show notes. So if people go that's to good enough. Account, people can yeah they can, can look find right it, they can find that link there yeah right and right now for the next couple of months the the 23 and Me test for people that have their that are already members there's millions of people you can go in and with three clicks away from getting your raw data then you can simply upload it into the website and generate that report. And I think we'll see in the next 60 days we're going to do some revamping, but it, it does, it's not to undermine. It's to get the right. autonomy. That, um, But right now anyone who's excited to learn this can, can go through that process, uh, and there's no reason to delay. And, um, in fact, for people who are earlier responders, we'll have special consideration if we do build a, a different system. Okay. Um, so yeah, you so can, all, so we make sure everything is fair. So, so for listeners, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, click on Sound Health Radio, and the link in on that uh, information for Jack's show today, there's a link there on the show page for the page that Jack is talking about that will give you the basic information for this great uh, platform where you can get your genetic information worked up. So once again, Jack, that was awesome. I knew it was going to be great information. Thank you so much. And well, thank you, Richard, and the best yeah. of health to all your listeners. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>